and just give a lesson that uh, has uh, that I'm praying that the Lord will work some of its truth into me or all of its truth I should say into me because I am I'm the one that needs to hear this and you guys can just listen in so let's go again to the Lord in prayer and then if you have your copy of the word of God please open to the book of Acts chapter 20 let's pray Our Father, we've come together once again to gather around your word, to gather into your presence with your people, to seek you, to worship and adore you, and to hear from your word. And we pray that you would speak to us this morning through your precious word. Fill us with a passion for your work for ministry, to serve you. And may we learn from Paul's passion for ministry and apply these truths in our own lives. We pray that you would uh, uh, encourage your people, make us strong in the faith and strong in service for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Acts chapter 20. This is a passage of scripture that uh, I often refer to, and uh, uh, I'm sure you've all heard it referred to many times, but I'm going to read verses 17 uh, through the end of the chapter. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, of course this is Paul uh, on his way to Jerusalem, now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Now, Please listen to what Paul is saying here. All that he uh, uh, encountered and uh, suffered while uh, just preaching the gospel. And he said, How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Now, what would be your response if you knew that if you made that decision, took that step, that uh, that would be the uh, what laid in your path? And most of us would figure out a way to uh, justify not going. And Paul, we're going to read on and we'll find that uh, Paul doesn't only have reason uh, uh, that he could 
uh, probably say, well, I shouldn't go, but other people are going to discourage him from going because they know that these things await him. He said, he said uh, uh, imprisonment and afflictions await me, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I've got more important things on my mind than my life. I'm not afraid for my life. I want to finish my course. Somebody said, I want to die on the battlefield. Paul said, I want to get through the battlefield. I want to finish my course. And he said, and now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone pro about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not, now he says it again, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Do you, you feel Paul's passion here? Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years, here he goes again, I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears again are you feeling his passion and now i commend you to god and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up his word it's able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified i coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel that's not what was on my mind. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard, you get in the passion, by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They, uh, <clears throat> they embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Now, in chapter 21... Beginning in verse 10, while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea and coming to us, he took Paul's belt 
and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When he heard this, when we heard this, we and the people were urged with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Is that passion? And so Paul's passion, we see here, and, uh, and he is going to go to Jerusalem. And you know the story is going to end up being sent to Rome. And he's going to be imprisoned in Rome. And eventually, under Nero, he's going to be beheaded for the cause of Christ. But we have, have the, at least the last recorded epistle of Paul in Second uh, uh, Timothy, and then the end of that epistle, Paul, it's evident that Paul's passion is still there. He's still passionate. As a matter of fact, you know what he asked Timothy to do? He said, when you come to me, he said, go uh, and get my cloak and then and, and get the books, but especially the parchments. <laughs> And I take that to mean the, the scriptures, the scrolls. And so he, he wanted to keep on reading, wanted to keep on learning, even though he was imprisoned and he was at the end of his life. And he was, uh, uh, he was a man who rejoiced in the fact that he was being poured out like a drink offering for the cause of Christ. So what in the world would make a person suffer as much as Paul suffered, work as hard as Paul worked, travel as far as he traveled and with exhaustion and hunger and nakedness and rejection and persecution and false brethren and uh, uh, betrayals and all those things? What would keep a man passionate throughout his whole life for the ministry. It doesn't take me that near that much to give up on anything, you know. I'm saying I need this. I'm preaching, I'm teaching this to me. <laughs> well, I've got uh, seven things I want to share with you that I, uh, I hope we can learn something, we can glean something for ourselves uh, to help us to regain our passion and stay passionate throughout our whole lives uh, for ministry. And the first thing I think that uh, helped to keep Paul passionate is his encounter with the Lord Jesus in the very beginning of his uh, uh, ministry he, of course, encountered the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. He, was, uh, he, was, he left Jerusalem breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the children of God, the people of God, the believers. And he had gotten permission, letters from 
the uh, priest to go to Damascus, and he found if he found anyone following Jesus there, that he would take, have them uh, put into prison, have them beaten. And uh, before he got to Damascus, as he was uh, uh, near the city, God uh, showed a, a light shone around him, and he fell from his uh, beast, and he was uh, blinded, and he heard the voice of the Lord Jesus speaking to him, Saul, Saul, why I gotta do it in King James because that's all I know. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And so he gives him instructions. And uh, nope, let's uh, let me get over here and read. He said, uh, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who are, were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and though his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand through and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was, was without sight, neither ate nor drank. And uh, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And you know the rest of the story, how that uh, he lays hands on Paul. And uh, Paul, or, or Saul, he was still Saul at the time, and he uh, received his sight. And uh, the Bible goes on to say that immediately he began to preach the gospel. And so the passion came almost immediately. He was, uh, he, he had a, a real dramatic experience of grace. Now let me give you a caveat here. Don't expect everyone or maybe anyone to have that kind of an experience. Okay? I'm not saying that some people don't have an exciting conversion experience, but everyone doesn't. And sometimes people just come to faith. They come to faith. And God works repentance and faith into them, and they begin a life of repenting and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't have it written down in the flyleaf of their Bible, their date of their new birth and all that. They, they just uh, they don't know the date. So don't, uh, don't take Paul's experience as an example of what conversion should look like. As a matter of fact, don't take anyone's experience as to what conversion necessarily looks like. But Paul's conversion was a special experience, wasn't it? Because he saw the Lord Jesus and heard the Lord Jesus' voice. That was something that was necessary for him to be an apostle. An apostle had to be a witness of the resurrected Christ. 
And so that's the reason that Jesus converted Paul in that way. But the conversion, although his was dramatic, was no more significant than yours or mine, or mine because God had to save him by grace, through faith, the same way he saves everyone. But uh, I, I do want us to notice this about Saul's conversion and uh, try to uh, glean this from it. His conversion and his call both happened at the same time. Now just think on that a minute. When, you know, we, we, we sometimes talk about, you know, the call to ministry as if it's something separate from the call to salvation. But uh, I kind of have the idea that uh, when we come to Christ, we come to him surrendering to him totally and wholly and we become his servant at the same time he becomes our savior. And so uh, uh, we may have different areas of ministry with different labels on them, but it is all the same calling and that is to glorify the risen Christ and to advance his kingdom by preaching the gospel to the whole world. And, uh, and so that was, that was the first thing that I think uh, Paul, or yes, Paul had that uh, we could say uh, would help us to stay passionate. We have been converted, but listen, we have not been converted to sit. We have not been converted to do nothing. We have been converted to serve. We have a ministry. <coughs> and uh, just as now Paul's ministry was a special ministry, an apostle was a special calling, but... Uh, but uh, our ministry is necessary as well. Every one of us. We have an important job and we must be about our Savior's business. Okay. Number two. What kept Paul passionate about ministry? He had confidence in the power of the gospel. I hope we do have confidence in the power of the gospel. But listen to the way Paul talked about the, the word of God. In uh, 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 Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16, of course, you know that passage of scripture. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power, the, the inherent power. Dunamis, the inherent power of God to save everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. That's in the New Testament, right? 2 Timothy 
2 Timothy chapter number 3. Beginning in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearance and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So Paul had this great confidence in the power of the gospel, in the power of the word of God. And I think that would increase my passion if I would always be considering that, if I would concentrate and meditate on the power of the gospel. We, I, I had an opportunity yesterday to witness to somebody and I let it slip by. I let it slip by and, and then I got home and I'm all convicted because if I, I talk about having confidence in the power of the gospel, but then I'm not very quick on the draw. We, I don't uh, give it out at every opportunity. And, I, and that's another reason why I'm saying I, I'm preaching this to me. The gospel is the power of God. It's not the power. Uh, the, the word that's translated power is dunamis, which uh, they say that's the same word we get the power, the, the word dynamite from. Well, it's not the power of dynamite. It's the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. And getting our kids, our young, our loved ones, our friends, our family members under the sound of the gospel, it's the best thing you can do for them. I know you want to leave them a, an inheritance. But the best thing you can do for them is to get them under the sound of the gospel. And uh, it's, it's hard sometimes with our our loved ones, we're a little bit shy about uh, uh, preaching the gospel to them. But God has determined, he has decreed that he will bring the elect to himself through the gospel. And he's not going to do it any other way. That's pretty, that's a pretty scary thought, isn't it? If they don't come through the gospel They'll never be saved. And it is the gospel. Jesus told us in uh, John chapter number 10. <clears throat> he, 
He said, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. There will be one fold and one shepherd. Well, how are they going to hear his voice? <coughs> He's in heaven. It's going to hear, they're going to hear his voice through the gospel as it's preached. I, I just, I, I need, please pray for me. I need this. I want to be faithful. I, I don't know about you, but I am hot and cold. I am on and off all the time. Sometimes uh, I go sit down in a restaurant and whoever comes to uh, uh, wait on me, I talk to them about Jesus. And then sometimes I don't. Sometimes I uh, have business dealings with people. Talk to them about Jesus. Invite them to church. You know, inviting people to church. Some people say, well, that's not witnessing. But it opens a gospel conversation, doesn't it? And I, sometimes I'm just right there with the gospel. And other times I'm not. If we had confidence in the power of the gospel the way Paul did, I think we would be more faithful to proclaim it. Then number three, the thing that kept, another thing that kept Paul passionate through all of his life was that he was, he was consumed by desire to know Jesus more. And uh, Philippians chapter 3, I, I'll get, I'm not going to get uh, through with all I would like to share, but Philippians chapter number 3, this is another one of my favorite passages of Scripture, but in Philippians chapter number 3, he talks about, Paul talks about how that he, if uh, anyone had any right to claim righteousness by their life or by their pedigree, he did. And he, he gives his pedigree. But he said, I had to count all those things but loss to gain Christ. In other words, he said, uh, let, me, let me find my spot right here. He said, uh, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. That's, I like that better than the King James word. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, here it is, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. God's righteousness given to me. He had to put all that other stuff aside to receive God's righteousness imputed to him through faith in Christ. But that's not all. Paul said, I didn't stop there. And that's what most of us do, isn't it? Okay, I got saved. 
I'll just coast on into heaven now. Now, here's what Paul said. He said <clears throat> in verse 10, that I may know him. You see that? Do you feel that passion? <laughs> that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. In other words, I want to live the Jesus life until I am made conformable to his death and enjoy his resurrection life. And then he goes on to say in verse 12, not that I've already obtained or am already perfect, but I press on, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not count that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, one thing, just one thing, this is my, my focus, my single-minded, narrow-minded focus, this one thing I do, forgetting what's behind. And straining, straining, reaching toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There's his passion. His desire to know Christ more, to know him more. To, he didn't just check off. I've read my chapter. I've, I've uh, prayed my prayer list. Oh, he, he wasn't, that wasn't the way he served the Lord. He was passionate to, to get a hold of Jesus. I can just almost reach him. I want, to, I want to know him more. You should sometime re, uh, listen to Steve Green sing that song, Oh, I Want to Know Him More. You ought to put that on sometime. And after you get through listening to it, just get down and try on your knees and see if you can know him more. Number four, Paul had a genuine concern for the lost. I've already talked about his, his passion about the word of God and his, uh, uh, how he had confidence in the gospel, but he was genuinely concerned for the lost. And this is mind-blowing right here. I really don't know what to say about it, but just listen to cha Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. He said, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. Do you get the idea that Paul wants us to believe what he's about to say? My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. 
they are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship of the promises, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all. Blessed forever. Amen. Can, can, you, can you even fathom that? That I would be willing to be accursed from Christ for the sake of my brethren in the flesh. He's not talking about brethren as far as saved folks. He's talking about unsaved Israelites. I, I remember I was... Uh, trying to struggle with this passage one time uh, many years ago up in uh, Tennessee and I said could anybody say that there's anybody in this world that you would be willing to die lost if it would mean their salvation and a lady raised her hand and said with tears if my Scotty would come to Jesus, I would be willing. I kind of think she meant it. But uh, I'm not going to try to guilt you into thinking that you're not a good Christian if you don't have this kind of genuine concern for the lost. But we could say, well, that's hard and and I couldn't possibly do that, but could you miss a meal and spend that time praying for a lost person? Do you ever? Could we miss a night's sleep? Or would we be willing to make some financial sacrifice in order uh, to reach people for the Lord? And I'm not just talking about an offering. I'm talking about Something in line with, I could wish myself accursed from Christ. Would you be willing to make some sort of financial sacrifice like that to get the gospel to those who are lost? We, we do, at least in word, have a concern for the lost. But uh, I don't know how passionate we are. But this is one of the things that kept Paul passionate. He had that sincere concern, genuine concern for the lost. Number five, he counted suffering for Christ a gift. I got to get through so well. He counted suffering for Christ as a gift. Philippians uh, 1 29. For it has been granted to you. Now granted means that someone has given you something. It, it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him. But also suffer for his sake. And he also uh, 
told Timothy, he said, I, I suffer these things for the elect's sake. Number six, he saw death as gain. If you've ever heard John Piper preach, you, you've heard him say something like that. But, uh, but Paul was really that guy, wasn't he? He saw death as gain. He said, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's gooder. It's better. It's better for me to be with Jesus. And you can't, uh, you can't intimidate a person who's, who believes death is gain. <laughs> you can't, uh, you can't scare them off the mission field. You can't run them away from uh, the uh, parking lot or the church facility. You can't stop them from preaching the gospel if to them dying is gain. I mean, what are you going to do to them? If they consider suffering a, a gift from God, what are you going to do to them? Number seven, he was all in. Have you, uh, have you ever watched uh, anybody playing poker and they, they do this thing? It says all in. Well, I didn't know that until that uh, gambler guy got on Jeopardy. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he was a he was a professional gambler, and uh, he won like millions of dollars. But uh, but they would uh, ask him how much he wanted to wager on the question, and he'd he'd do that all in. Well, that means I'm going to I'm not keeping anything. What I am. I am so confident in what I'm doing that I don't uh, care if, I don't care what happens. This is, I'm all in. This was Paul's life. He was all in. There was nothing that uh, he was holding back. It's like last week when we were talking about the woman uh, Mary, who came to Jesus and took the alabaster flask of ointment and broke it and poured it out on it. She didn't want to take any of it back home. She didn't want to keep any of it. She wasn't just going to dab a little bit on it. She said, I'm all in. And this is, this is something I think that would help me if I, could, if I could bring myself to this point where I would say, I'm all in. I'm not holding anything back. I get passionate about things, but they're never the good things. <laughs> I love old Chevy trucks. My goodness, I just, I mean, I can't hardly stand to see one for sale and not buy it. But I wish I would get that passionate about ministry and stay that passionate. Until that day when the Lord says, come home.
Father, we pray that you would take these uh, scattered thoughts and please help us. Please help me, dear Lord. I confess, I confess, I'm not even close to the things we've talked about this morning. Please help me. In Jesus' name, amen.